This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mikel Antonio would score 30 goals in this City team. Pep wouldn't have matched Klopp's achievements at Liverpool. And Man United struggling is an objectively bad thing for English football. It's Man City fans defend the indefensible once again. I've got two brand new contestants to give their goes. It's Monday the 20th of November. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Andrew Detmer. And I'm Ollie Kerr. And this is the City Report Podcast. Here for Gundogan. It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, champions of Europe. Well then, listeners, welcome back to a brand new week. A week at the end of it, we should have, or hopefully will have, a Manchester City victory to speak about. We're nearly there. International breaks are nearly done. Stick with us. But hopefully this will bring about a smile to your latter part of the international break, at least. We're going to be uh, taking the gloves off, or in this case, putting the gloves on, to contestants going head to head. Um, Andrew, welcome back. It's been a bit of a dull international break. As far as international break goes, this is one of the worst. Teams have qualified, most of them. There's little to play for. It is dull, but we are nearly there. Yeah, um, the US played Trinidad and Tobago on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not it's not exactly the same level of like France I bet playing Gibraltar. Was, was Canceling the work and, and sort of trying to get off early for that game. Bloody hell. I mean, I, I will say that is the team that knocked us out of the twenty eighteen cycle. So it, you know, that there is a little bit of bad blood and risk there, but largely mm, like true. Yeah, this this international break has always felt strange um to me mm. because we just had one a month ago. Um, I, it mm. like th- these two international breaks for me have all like, this is why I buy into the argument for having less windows, but longer, because I don't get why we make guys fly wherever 
for a couple <laughs> weeks and then fly back home and then fly wherever for another couple weeks, like a month late. Like it just like, let's condense this into maybe two windows every year. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, those are the windows where all international happens. And then the teams get the players for a lot. Like it just makes more sense rather yeah. than we all are like, well, not only do the games suck, but this kind of just like disrupts any rhythm teams have started to develop. This international break is the equivalent, the football equivalent of just stick it in an email. Um, but saying so, Oliver, it seems like Manchester City are going to go into that game against Liverpool with maybe you and I in the squad. It seems like every other day there's a player who drops off injured. I would hazard a guess and say at least 50% of them will be fit for Liverpool. I'm going to go 90%, actually. I think it's all bollocks. But it yeah. plays into it, doesn't it? Like yeah. This international break is such a waste of time for most teams. Yeah, completely, completely, you know, and and I I do, to be honest, I find that for most international breaks, because even when it's the qualifiers, you've got a number of teams that, barring any cataclysmic disaster, will qualify for the tournament anyway. Mm. So whether it's competitive, you know, it's competitive in name, but not by nature when it's qualifiers or whether, whether it's friendlies. I hate, I despise with a passion international breaks mid-season. I think the proper way to do it is hold any uh, any qualifiers that are needed over either the Christmas break, so you introduce a new Christmas break to have the qualifiers, or you keep them to the summers when the major tournaments aren't on. Mm. But mid-season football should be club football only. Mm. That's... Just my perspective on it. I'm sure a lot of players will disagree because you know, they, they, they love playing for their country. A lot of them, they. It's, I it's actually an think honor, a lot of, of players will probably agree at the same but, time as well. Um, uh, yeah, De Bruyne has yeah. had words to say, and, and Virgil Van Dijk. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll we'll leave the international break there. Thankfully, this is the last time we will speak about international breaks until March. Um, but we'll we'll brighten it up a little bit. We've got a little bit of a game to play, and and for anyone who listened to one of our international break <laughs> episodes, a couple of months ago we tried this uh defend the indefensible it's a concept i think was um first done by i mean it's been done loads of different times but this this version of it by uh bbc radio five live on their show fighting talk essentially two competitors go head to head i give a statement one has to argue in favor one has to argue against it should make for some wonderful nail-biting, cringe-worthy comments, especially when Oliver Kirsch is telling us why Alex Ferguson is the best manager of all time. But that <laughs> is to come in part two. Stick around for that. Um, we'll start off, guys. Any questions before we get going? You all, you both get one minute on the clock to and argue in favour or against. Um, I think it's pretty simple. But just to check, any questions? Nope. Wonderful stuff. Do it. Do we get one pass? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. This is this is where I get to enjoy my host privileges the most. Um, we'll kick things off fairly tame then, and I want to start with this. Michael Antonio famously said, uh, I think it was a couple months ago now, that he would score thirty <laughs> goals in the Manchester City team. Now, Oliver, you're going to argue against this. You're going to tell us why he wouldn't have been able to do so. But Andrew, up first, you've got sixty seconds. I want you to tell me why. Mikel Antonio would score uh, would score 30 goals 60 goals Jesus Christ that's a stretch um 30 goals in the Manchester City team you've got 60 seconds on the clock starting now it's as simple as this team I believe set a Premier League scoring record without a recognized striker in the team sure they were other players that are capable of playing 
football international level. But Mikel Antonio did not say that Andrew Detmer, Amos Murphy, or Ali Kirsch are capable of scoring 30 goals up front in the city team because we can't. However, someone like Mikel Antonio, who is a professional player, a bit of a, you know, journeyman's probably the right word to describe him where he has gotten there through hard work. He understands how to play the game. He understands how positioning works and, you know, he's fit in in multiple roles. Someone like that who understands different positions to be in, of course, they're going to be able to score 30 goals up front for City because we create opportunities. Now, when he said this, you do have Kevin De Bruyne feeding chances that isn't going on right now. But frankly, I think it's absolutely simple that he would. Ooh, good start, good start, good start. I forgot to mention before, listeners, if you haven't listened to this sort of show before, I'm scoring each debate and each round one one person will get a point. Um, bold of you to call Michel Antonio a recognised striker, by the way. I think that's probably uh, a compliment him a little bit too much. Um, footballer, perhaps, recognised striker. Um, uh, Oliver Kirsch, then, you've got 60 seconds. I want you to sort of uh, go against that. Tell me why Michel Antonio, despite his own um, modest claim, would not score 30 goals in the Premier League for Manchester City. Your time starts now. Well, first of all, you're on mute, so that's a fantastic start. <laughs> Classic. Just needed the extra few yeah. seconds to prepare. Let's go. I'm actually going to be a bit. I'm, I'm going to be a bit, bit of a bastard here, and I'm going to take Andrew Detmer's approach. Stats, stats, stats. <laughs> Mikhail Antonio last season in the Premier League, his xG was seven point two. His goals scored were five. That means, according to my maths, he scored seventy percent of his xG. Now. Erling Haaland, because that is naturally the position he would be taking up, had 32.76 XG and scored 36 goals. So that is roughly a 10% or so over performance. Therefore, Mikhail Antonio would score roughly 70% of 32.76. Mr. Detmer, that gives us... Uh, I don't know if my math has actually come out right here on my calculator. It says 23. I think it might be a little bit more than that. But point is, the point is, ultimately, he's not a killer. Yes, he'd get loads of chances. Yes, he'd find himself in the right position. Yes, he'd score bags of goals. Would he score as many as Erling Haaland? Categorically not. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was it was a patched up attempt. I have to say. I mean, for for full clarity, I've not given these guys any sort of uh, heads up about the category, so they are working on the feet. And I appreciate the quick maths, although it did stumble. That was rapid ad hoc. <laughs> but my priority here was to take Andrew's own approach to football, <laughs> twist it, polish it, and present it right back yeah. to him. Um, I, I mean. Oliver, you get the point, and I'll tell you why. I just couldn't I couldn't endorse anybody saying Michael Antonio would score 30 <laughs> goals for Man City. Um, which I, I can imagine you you understand. I mean, it's just a it's just an outlandish claim, isn't it, Andrew? It's it's it, it's uh, no, it, it, it it's absolutely is. I mean, I do think that I think there is a solid argument that people have made, or the point that, you know, City do create enough chances that it's why I think when we talk about, oh, who would you sell? Like, Erling Holland is actually, like, of our star players, like someone you could sell because we can find ways to work around it. But no one else is going to do what he does to that level. Do I think that yeah, there are plenty of strikers player. who could get 15 to 20 goals? Absolutely. But coming close to breaking the Premier League scoring record, that there's, like, probably three to four strikers in the world that do that. Mm, yeah and just just now that i'm not under pressure of that one minute just to add the maths was right so it was 23 goals 
for for Antonio's xG to goal rate, he would have scored twenty three, and that is assuming that he took every took on every single shot. Yeah, that Erling Haaland. So on finishing alone, finishing alone, there's a vast difference mm. between these two, and then not to mention just the fact that Mikel Antonio doesn't have the physical attributes and uh, the the know how on the pitch to work the space that Erling Haaland does. So. If you, if you are a complete stato and you want to just go by numbers, Andrew Detmer, you, you are genuinely probably looking at about half of Haaland's goal tally, maybe 15 yeah. goals, mm-hmm. Antonio in his city shirt, 15 to 18 goals mm-hmm. at best. Yeah. I just had a flashback from when we were linked with Danny Ings to replace Sergio Aguero. And um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting times. Imagine how many goals he'd have got. Um, mm. Right. Okay. That's round one done. That's one nil to Oliver Kirsch. We're going to turn the heat up a little bit as we go round by round it was a fairly like I said tame start this one should get uh it should be a little bit interesting and it's one that would no doubt split opinion regardless and I'm actually going to split opinion the opposite way I think people would argue for this one so the question is despite the success moving to the Etihad Stadium was a mistake for Manchester City Andrew I want you to tell me why you agree with that statement you've got a minute or so to think of an argument because Oliver Kirsch to start off with you're going to tell me why despite the success moving to the Etihad Stadium wasn't a mistake for Man City so you're kind of the home team here I guess most people would probably say that is an easy one but you are a man who loved Main Road back in the day so 60 60 seconds on the clock for you Oliver tell me why moving to the Etihad was the right thing for Man City to have done as fun as that era was as good as our banter era was and as much as it is ingrained in the, the, the heart and soul of most City fans, we we have to get away from that era, not only on the pitch and not only from, from a, a mental perspective, you know, in terms of where the club, inverted commas, belongs, as United fans love to say, you know, we belong in the championship. If we want to get away from all of that, then we did have to move on to somewhere that would not only enable us to become uh, next-gen in terms of the facilities, the, the on the pitch, off the pitch, corporate training, academy, etc., all the amazing things that we've got, but also just for that fresh start aspect. And I know the first five years or so at the new stadium weren't fantastic, particularly the season under Stuart Pearce, but ultimately it has allowed us a clean break from a catastrophic past and allowed us to become what we are now and what we are going to be in the years to come. <sighs> Bang on a minute, solid stuff. Um, like I said, I reckon, personally speaking, that's probably the easiest side to fall on this argument. Although, like I said, plenty of listeners would still, or sorry, are still longing for those main road days. Um, I mean, I guess if the 115 charges land, we might be knocking on Manchester City Council's door and asking for main road back, um, given the news stories from this week. But Andrew, I want you to tell me why, please. Moving to the Etihad Stadium was a mistake for Manchester City, despite the success that has followed. This is simple. Football is about heritage. Football is about history. Football is about story. Football is about pageantry. And while the money... And the opportunities that have come in since Abu Dhabi took over. And obviously one of the points of attraction was having this stadium that was going to be easier to retrofit. That doesn't stop Abu Dhabi group from coming in and retrofitting main roads so that we keep the heritage. We keep the history. We keep the location and the roots of this club where it spent 80 years 
attracting hearts and minds and sometimes scaring them away because they wanted nothing to do with this banana show of a club, right? So to me, it's a mistake because we threw away history. It's similarly why you look at United, you look at um, Real Madrid, you look at Barcelona, they're struggling and it does take longer to you know, retrofit stadiums, but they've done it because that history matters. Wow, 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 wow. Fair play, fair play. I mean, that's an easy one. It is straight to Andrew Detmer. But um, for listeners who might not know Andrew, what's your day-to-day job? Uh, attorney. Yes, there we go. There we go. We can see it. We can see it on full I have also, there. I have also visited the center circle of the former main road Indeed. with one Amos Murphy. absolutely yeah in the middle of the dark which was a little i was like i was like how safe is this like we're just like chilling in a place at 11 p.m yeah right in the middle of the house i I thought i thought that was about to turn into a full-blown rant on shake man's (laughs) happy happy takeover at one minute but you know what it's interesting how you how you um assigned that question between me and Detman because i think you know in my heart of hearts Mm. If we were relegated tomorrow and we were sent back to Main Road, I think I'd, I think I'd be the happiest man in the world. <laughs> so it was actually quite difficult because the, the, there is a logical, of course, there's a logical, there's an overwhelming logical argument mm. for the Etihad, um, but from from a sentimentality perspective and a nostalgia perspective, uh, I can be a bit of a nostalgia merchant. Mm. It was quite hard to. Mm to argue that um but yeah i mean in terms of moving forward as a club i mean i think it, it's, it's interesting it's, it's and logical. you know i i know both of you have your qualms about the welcome to rexham documentary but it's been interesting actually hearing them talk about their process of buying this historic club that has this historic mm. ground that is in desperate need of upgrades and the cost and issues that come with trying mm. to preserve that history rather than, I mean, it is much easier to build a brand new state, like other than you have to find the ground, but like, if you can do that, it's much easier than, you know, retrofitting an old stadium, like during seasons and getting approval. Mm. And, and they've talked about how, you know, they had to like change the rules about the pub at Wrexham in the yeah. stadium, because, you know, with modern rules comes far more modern regulations of like how many people you can have inside and all. And so I, it is an interesting quandary. And I think with United's new ownership about to be confirmed, it'll be interesting to see how do they address the clear need to retrofit old Trafford and the cost that will bring versus like, does it just make more sense to build a new stadium? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I, this is a problem London clubs are having uh, specifically Chelsea as well, who haven't been mentioned so far um, sort of, where do you get the land is the other question. But yeah. for someone like Man City, when they inherited that stadium off um, the Commonwealth Games in 2002 off Manchester City Council, it, it I mean, the trajectory has just been sort of straight upwards since. And, and I don't think anyone would argue that this success would have happened had they stayed at Main Road. So I, I guess that is the balance you switch up. But um, yeah, Andrew, you can take the point there. It's 1-1 going into the break. We've got three more questions to come up after this short break. So stay exactly where you are. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Away days are great, 
but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, obviously, last week, a reduced schedule because of the international break. This week, we've got three episodes. As soon as we get to Wednesday, we'll be turning attention to the Liverpool game at the weekend. So make sure you are following and subscribed for that one. OK, then let's kick straight off again. Um, the next question is, <laughs> it's a tasty one. Man United, being one of the best clubs in the country, is objectively good for English football. Now, this comes as a suggestion from one of our contributors Mr Joe B um, but it's going to go to Oliver Kirsch you're going to tell me why Manchester United being good is objectively a good thing for English football Andrew you're going to say you're going to argue against this you're going to tell me why it isn't Andrew you're going to go first the 60 seconds is back on the clock it is 1-1 we've got three questions left to play for so it's going to it's going to heat up 3-2-1 off you go as I argued earlier, football is about heritage. Football is about stories. And obviously, we are talking about one of the most storied clubs in English history when we talk about Manchester United, who dominated the 90s and the 2000s. However, we want strong teams, but we want to not just see one team win it forever. We love the story and rise of dynasties in American sports. We see it all the time, but they don't last long because we have things designed to ensure that teams can't stack talent and keep them forever. And Manchester United falling down has added to that story. Now, one, it adds the ability for them to have a rise back, which will be a great and compelling story for um, you know millions around the world. It also then allows other teams to come in and fill their place and create new storylines and new heroes and new villains. Like Football is theater, just like anything else. And so if one team is always good, which United were, and United could have easily been this team that dominated into this era had they gotten their finances in order and run it properly so the fact they aren't allows new storylines and better storylines to form nice 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 um, and i can imagine those listening along will be nodding their head going you're absolutely spot on but that isn't the game we're playing oliver kirsch you're here to persuade me and tell me why manchester united being bad currently is an objectively bad thing for english football and then being good is an objectively good thing for english football i'm going to enjoy this one manchester city fan tells me why manchester united being good is a good thing for english football let's go what would Obi-Wan Kenobi be without Darth Vader? What would Batman be without the Joker? In every compelling story on the planet, you need a villain that everyone else fucking hates, right? That everyone else wants to lose. So they are more than welcome to be competitive. They are more than welcome to be up there against the good guys, right? But as long as they lose every season at the end, Everyone has a happy ending. That's all I have to say on this one. Thank you. <laughs> 20 seconds. You couldn't bring yourself, could you, for the, the, for the final 20 seconds to, to, to actually say, no, no, they needed to be up there with the best. 
<laughs> oh, this is fantastic. This is this this is quickly turning into a favourite game we've ever done on this show. Um, right, okay, I've got to pick a winner. Um, I think by virtue of actually using the full allotted time, Andrew, you get the point there. Um, I, I, I appreciate that's the first time. <laughs> that's the first time a lawyer has ever been praised for going on longer than necessary. <laughs> yeah, you're not just, wrong. Just, he's <laughs> delighted with that one. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was a valiant effort. I think is the best way to describe it from Oliver Kirsch, but um, a successful one. Not so much. Maybe this one will give you a chance to get back into the game because it is currently 2-1 to Andrew Detmer and it has it is as follows. Um, Jurgen Klopp would have achieved what Pep has at City, but Pep couldn't have achieved what Klopp did at Liverpool. Oliver Kirsch, you're going to be disagreeing with this one. You're going to go first. So just sort of mental notes. You get to argue that Jurgen Klopp would have not achieved what Pep has and Pep would have been able to do what Klopp has, blah, blah, blah. Andrew, you're going to go second, telling me why Klopp would have achieved Pep's, uh, what, what Pep has and why Pep wouldn't have done it at Liverpool. Lots of tongue twisters here. But there is 60 seconds on the clock. Through building a team, through bringing players through the youth academy, developing them, integrating them, and most crucially, booting out problematic players, he's shown the ability to evolve to, to, for, for the evolution and revolution of both his tactical applications and the way he he sets up on the pitch in terms of his eleven. And he's also most crucially shown that he does not crack under pressure. We've seen Klopp in his post-match interviews. We've seen the effect that that could, you know, how that can cascade down to his team when they're in perhaps tougher moments um, over the years. And I, I think Klopp, Klopp is unbelievable. Don't get me wrong, but he's just not quite got everything Pep has. All of those things come together to form the Pep that we know and the Klopp. That unfortunately, I don't think could have quite got to the same heights. Nice, nice, fair, sort of fair reasoned argument. Um, kept it sort of conservative, I guess. You sort of trying to, you trying not trying to play your hand too much here because this is a difficult mm. one. This is a difficult one, Andrew Detmer. You've got sixty seconds to tell me why Guardiola would not have been able to achieve what Klopp did at Liverpool, but Klopp would have been able to achieve what Guardiola, what Guardiola, the holy man Guardiola, has done at Manchester City. Off you pop. Look, Pep Guardiola is undoubtedly a genius. It's why teams that are first in class in their respective leagues and in terms of the facilities they have have always sought him out. It's why he was at Barcelona. It's why he's at Bayern. It's why he is now at City. But Klopp has achieved almost similar levels of success at places where they are not first in class facilities. Borussia Dortmund did not have the same level of player success structure that Bayern Munich has. Liverpool, he comes into a club that the owners, the fans don't love them. They, you know, their stadium, their training facilities, like we all know that there are issues. They don't have the ability to compete with resources, but he is able to then take, you know, a club that should not necessarily be at the same level as the one it's fighting with and actually go toe to toe with them because he is an incredible man manager. Now, the thing that Klopp could have easily done is because City are so well structured and so well supported that while he figured that out, he wouldn't have gotten fired. Whereas for Pep, he would have struggled to reach these same levels without the access to the resources he has historically had. Oh, last little jab there before the bell rang. Um, this is a difficult one. This is a difficult one, I have to say. I don't think there's necessarily a clear winner. Um, I mean, Andrew, you could have won it straight away if you'd have just simply called 
Pep Guardiola a checkbook manager. That would have been <laughs> that would have been the knock, <laughs> knockout blow. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to fiddle a little bit. I'm going to give it to Oliver Kirsch just so we go into the final round on a level playing field <laughs> at two two. Because I do um, actually think this is a good, like a really interesting question that like okay, I, I would want to see. Like we obviously will never see it play out, but I do mm. think like I don't think. I think Pep is a checkbook manager, but not like that it's an insult, but that yeah. Pep is who you want. It, it's it's a lot like with F1. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pep is You the, wouldn't you wouldn't give Lewis Hamilton a twenty a two thousand five Toyota Yaris. Like <laughs> right. that that's yeah. It's you, you put the best drivers in the best yeah. cars so they can achieve the best times. Well now if you put a worse driver, and this is maybe an argument I could have used as well, but if you put a worse driver in Lewis Hamilton's F1 car, they are not going to achieve the same times Lewis mm. Hamilton has. No, but yeah. it, like, it, but then the other the other side of that, sorry, Andrew, the other side of that is that if you do put Lewis Hamilton in a Toyota Yaris and you put me in a Toyota Yaris, Lewis Hamilton is still going to drive the faster times. Mm. That that is kind of my approach with yeah. Pep here. That he he has, and I mentioned it in that minute. He has at times shown himself to be an incredibly efficient transfer market operator. He does find yeah. deals. He does find fantastic bargains. He's not just a hundred million pound here, hundred million pound there. I think if you yes, were to he signs a lot of players, but it, they're not all mad expensive. Yeah, if you were to put me as a football director, if I'm at a club like City, like I pick Pep every time. But if I'm at a club where I'm going to be at a resource disadvantage, mm. I, I think Klopp actually is the one you go with because I think he is in a he is a better manager to be kind of the chasing pack, the underdog because I think he brings a and we see it too much sometimes I would argue a level of emotion that can be useful in that position. But mm. like, I, I think it comes down to the situation they're in rather than like one is clearly better than the other. I mean, I think it's just a, like, it's a situational point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think you could possibly say Jurgen Klopp gets the best out of players Whereas Pep Guardiola gets the best out of best players, and mm-hmm. maybe that's sort of the levels we're working with here. Um, maybe there's a case study on Calvin Phillips to come around this. Maybe, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, or, or maybe, like international break, there's been enough chat about Calvin Phillips, but it does set things up nicely for for the masterful, the final, oh, no. the Meister Schala. It is Oliver Kirsch versus Andrew Detmer, the final round in defending and defensible. It's what you've all come for, and here is the question. Pound for pound, Alex Ferguson will be remembered as a better manager than Pep Guardiola. Andrew, you're going to tell me why that isn't the case. Fairly simple, I assume. Oliver Kirsch, you're going to tell me why that is the case. Andrew, you're going first, as always, for the final time. 60 seconds on the clock. 3, 2, 1. Let's go. This is pretty simple. They met each other twice as managers. Pep Guardiola emerged victorious both times. Pep Guardiola came into the Premier League after everyone said that he couldn't do what he, you know, he couldn't play his tiki-taka in England and they were going to get booted off the park. And he has taken every record and bent and broken it to his will. Teams up and down the country play the Pep Guardiola way now, all the way down into your Sunday league teams. Look, Sir Alex Ferguson is a, great man in the history of the game. He will obviously always be someone that people talk about, but he came before Pep Guardiola and Pep Guardiola has torn this league asunder and made it appear like that. What Ferguson did isn't that big of an accomplishment because Pep has done everything Ferguson has done 
in a shorter amount of time. He's won treble. He's won a Champions League. He's built a team from nothing to the greatest in the world. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Well then, well then, doesn't that set it up nicely? And now it's not as a crazy question because, ah, believe it or not, some humans out there who do think this is is the case, that uh, Ferguson will be remembered as a better manager than Pep Guardiola. One of those being Oliver Kirsch, who, for the point, and and the the judges are whispering my ear, he might even win the point by just seeing out the 60 seconds and saying it with a brave face. Who knows? We'll have to say. But Oliver Kirsch, uh, a loyal Manchester City supporter, your task for me is tell me why Alex Ferguson will be remembered as a better manager than Pep Guardiola. Go. Ferguson took over a team that was struggling in, I think it was the late 80s, wasn't it? 89, perhaps. Uh, a team that was team that was struggling. They weren't having the best time. Uh, it had been a fair, fair few years since they'd won anything. And he achieved everything he did over, the, over a period of 23 years. Um, and a lot of managers, as Andrew just said, have achieved a lot of things over many years, as, as Pep has you know, in his career since he took over from Barcelona. He's achieved a lot. But Alex Ferguson, one thing separates Ferguson, right? He managed to stay at Manchester United for so long and he managed to keep up such an unbelievable run of success whilst being an utterly insufferable prick to everyone else and every other football fan in this country. So you know what? Fair play. To be the kind of man he is and to walk out into that changing room every day for 23 years and keep all the players on side and keep the club on side without getting chucked out, you've just got to hand it to him, right? Fair enough. No problem with that. That that, that turned, that, that went in a direction that I didn't think it was going to go in. I'll tell you what, you went well over a minute. I was just letting the clock run. I was just seeing how long you'd go on for. You had about a minute, 30 at the end. I actually had to temper the language that I, I know. Was I know, yeah. I was like, you're glad it's not you. You'd be like, you're lucky it's not Ollie McCall on this yeah, podcast. Jesus Christ, Ofcom would be getting involved. Um, yeah. Okay, I mean, Oliver, it was a great effort. And maybe I am being blinded by by the attorney, but I, I'm giving the point to Andrew. I thought just no, an give it argument. To Do you know what? Do you know what the hardest thing I find the hardest thing about that one to be is that there is no logic no, no. to back Ferguson. So the, 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 I, I genuinely, in my on my heart of hearts, believe there is well, no logic. Let Andrew he, Ferguson back, back Ferguson. I mean, that's his job. Yeah. Can you do that? <laughs> so I, what I Go how on. I would do this quite like how I would approach it is I think there is a difference between the greatest manager and the best manager, and Pep is undoubtedly the best manager. But Mm. I do think, Ali, to your point, for Ferguson to do it as long as he did and to kind of build the brand and the identity of United to where they were, I think you can make an argument that that makes Ferguson the greatest manager. I don't think that, like, it's not logical to say that Ferguson is a better manager um, in terms of quality or ability than Pep. But I think that you can argue that in terms of greatness, because he is kind of the first modern, particularly just because of, you know, he's there when the Premier League starts, that he is... Ah, ah, but that's your key point there, sorry. It isn't him, because of who he is, that United built into the brand that they did. It's because they were there in the right place at the right, right. time. Right, no, it, but, but you can say that about the Premier so League. 
No, the, the, the turn of the Premier League, the explosion of accessibility to watch English football broadcasts, uh, even the birth of social media in the mid-2000s, United was still up there. He he was a successful manager. Fair play, yeah. yes, he was successful. He was a successful manager at a time when football media on a, on a global scale was there to be taken by a chokehold. And that's what United did just because they were there. But I think if any successful manager had been there, any trophy winning manager had been there in the early to mid to late nineties at any club, they would have been the ones to have taken that to the maximum advantage. Oh, I think, so I, I, think you're right. I, I personally cannot give Ferguson the credit for that. I, I can't. And it might be me being bitter, but he's, he's not a commercial genius. He just led a very successful football team at a time mm. when football was exploding. English football was exploding in popularity across the globe. So I, I can't give him that. I cannot in my heart of hearts find any logic to say he is the greatest or the best manager. I can't. And that's why Amos' question was so difficult. <laughs> To, to answer, because at least the others, you can pick out a little bit of logic. You know, Antonio, you can pick out a little bit of logic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Klopp, you can find some logic. But I, I don't think there is. As, as Andrew said in his argument, Pep has done more in a shorter space of time with the exact same resources, pound for pound, you know, compared to inflation, or, or the, uh, the inflation now to the early 90s, that Ferguson had as well. No difference. Does he make your and top Pep five? utterly insufferable. Ollie? Ferguson, yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. He's, I think, he, I think he's number two. I think he's out and out number two. Um, but I think there is a level between him and Pep. I don't think it's close. I think there is because for me, a, he a makes clear demarcation between Ferguson and Pep. He's my number two for greatest, but he does not make my top three for either best or influential. Like it's Pep, nearly Klopp, he's Wenger. I'm guessing for influ- for influential. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yes, and then best I would go, Pep, Klopp, Mourinho. Oh, Mourinho! Of course, yeah, I completely forgot. He was influential. I mean, Pep Pep revolutionized football tactics, yeah. and Ferguson revolutionized tapping up players to steal them on loan <laughs> from the <laughs> academy. So, like, they, they 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 both made their own massive influences on football. Um, mm. but. Yeah, I just... I mean, his biggest influence listen, we're I, I seeing it now, which is United fans somehow bad. thinking that a fight about a racehorse is the reason that the Glazers own their football club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we could go... We could and go he on. managed to instill into entire fan base the feeling that they have a divine right to success. Well, yes, that is yeah. true. That, is that was true. his mentality. And it works when he's there, but it's extremely problematic mm-hmm. when he's gone. Yeah. Extremely problematic when he's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that sounds like a brilliant brilliant place to end it guys it's been a lot of fun andrew thank you very much you take the crown um light work for you i guess light work yeah i mean look it i i think i had a little bit of advantage in some of the cards i was dealt there um <laughs> put it that way you're making you're making up for the uh the quiz episode where i was given some questions that were object- whoa it's 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 not Let's too not late talk to about retract. injustice in the quiz it's not too late to retract that title oliver you gave it a fantastic go um i guess you're your bitter blueness just couldn't get it just got in the way a little bit too much at the end. Truly indefensible. Yeah. Asking me to defend yeah. the truly indefensible. Yeah, it lived up yeah. to its name. Um listeners, if you enjoyed it, please make sure you hit follow, you hit subscribe. It's been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, football chat will return on Wednesday, so stick around for that. But until then, we'll see you later. Bop, bop. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. 
By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.